you know, you get to a certain point and, you know, maybe depending on where you are geographically and climatologically, maybe it's June, maybe it's July. You're like, hey, you know what? Things are pretty good. I'm not, I'm not going to spend any more money on this crop. The crop looks fine to me. I just drove by it. Well, that's where you might be making a mistake because during this time, you could be leaving bushels on the table and money on the table by not taking care of mid-season fertility. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to Extreme Ag Cutting the Curve. We've got a great topic for you today, and it's very timely. And in fact, it's going to help you make money in your farming operation. We're talking about mid-season fertility. Kelly Garrett of Garrett Land and Cattle, area in Iowa, one of the original founders of Extreme Ag, is joining us to talk about his practices. And we're joined by Tommy Roach, the VP of Product Development and Technical Services for Nature's. We'll be talking about why we do this, what sometimes is overlooked, and more importantly, what you should be doing moving forward. Tommy, what do people get wrong when it comes to mid-season fertility? They don't take take advantage of the already uh, passes that they are going across the field and the need to add fertility. You're already, you're already doing a basic task, uh, whether it's herbicide, uh, fungicide, insecticide on different crops, or even side dress. And they don't take advantage of putting fertility in the tank mix. Okay. Now you just said, so they don't take advantage of it. You said side dressing. So we're talking about, that's what that's the exact purpose of side dressing is to be putting nitrogen in the soil. So how can you say you're not putting nutrients in when you're out there side dressing? It's exactly what you're doing, right? Something other than nitrogen. Ah. There's ways so- to make nitrogen more efficient. Than okay. just putting on more pounds of nitrogen. Okay, so in the old days, nitrogen was cheap. We just threw more pounds at it. Now you're saying you need to put sulfur, you need to put potassium, you need to put humix, boron. Kelly Garrett, what do you do now that you maybe didn't do five years ago or ten years ago? Do you think still some operators are not doing, and they should when it comes to mid-season fertility? They're they're not doing any. Uh, you know, it gets to be, I remember as a young farmer, this is a time of year where you feel it's a, it's a poor time of year. Your line of credit is getting full, especially in today's inflationary economics that we're at, you know, and you, you really don't want to spend any more money. Um, I really think that in, in general, the American farmer is poor at raising soybeans. When we started with Extreme Ag, I got to know Tommy, trust him, have a relationship I, uh, Tommy was the first person I went to, to put a foliar application on my soybeans. And now we don't go across the field without something in there. Uh, but it isn't just a general practice. You know, we're going to take a tissue sample, see what we're lacking, and then build a program around that. 
Okay. So you said you said a lot of stuff right there. You think that most farm operations are not doing mid-season fertility. And again, you might be talking June, July, depending on where you are, but roughly in that mm -hmm. time frame, because they can't afford it or because they don't think it's necessary. They don't see the return. It's all you think it's about money. It, it is a financial decision, but it isn't that they can't afford it. They, I think a lot of times, and this is the value of extreme egg. I think a lot of times a grower thinks that somebody at the co-op, uh, you know, a guy in Tommy's position says nature's on his shirt. They're just trying to sell him something. Is it really yeah. going to work? At extreme egg, we're trying those products and reporting what works and does, doesn't work. And we're doing those practices on our own farm. First year with, uh, with extreme egg. 2020. Uh, it was the year of the soybean foliar to me. And Tommy made us a program and it, it added nine bushel. And that was in $9 and 60 cent beans. And it, it was like, uh, it was about a $60 ROI because yeah. I think it was about a $25 cost. You know, oh, I can't yeah. remember exact numbers right now, but we added we added nine bushel with our foliar and we added $60 an acre. You know how many times I've hoped to make $100 an acre and yeah. the mid-season fertility made us 60. Yeah. So you did, you did something you had not done previous to that. And you went out there and put a foliar uh, treatment of, of uh, fertilizer and it, yes. and, it made you, and it cost you about 25 bucks, made you up pushing almost 90, over $85 or so you made 60 bucks on that. What was the potion? What did he do, Tommy? Well, at the time when when we did his first foliar bean application, you when you get to, to our stage on beans, you still got a long way to go as far as nutrient uptake, like roughly 70% to go. And that's across the board, NPK, S, uh, micros. So... You're, you're fixed at that time. You're fixing to hit a sharp incline on potassium, phosphorus, uh, sulfur, and then about R3. If you're growing more than 70 bushel beans, that plant is not going to be able to keep up nitrogen demand. Even though it's a legume, it's supposed to be producing its own nitrogen, it can't keep up. So you're going to have to add more nitrogen to the system if you if you want to hope to get you know 80 or something above that did anybody ever think you need to put nitrogen on soybeans five years ago 10 years ago no they didn't they didn't think you needed anything but the leftover fertilizer from last year's corn crop right 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 okay so how are we putting this on we're always we're spraying over the top when it comes to soybeans so that's that's it right correct generally speaking you get you get into other parts they could be you, you could uh, wide drop in some environments, sound 30 inch beans, you could wide drop before they start covering rows. But in general, yeah, it's, it's foliar applied. What do you, what's, what's your, what's your mid-season practice? You know, we talk a lot, Kelly, about I experimented, I did the trial and now it's standard practice. What standard practice look like for you for mid-season for soybean fertility on soybeans? So, you know, we're going out with the chemical right now. Uh, there's going to be a stress mitigation product in there. There's going to be a PGR in there. There's probably going to be some potassium acetate in there. This time of the year, last year, we built these great beans 
And then we went to pod fill and we couldn't support the branches, couldn't support the fruit. Uh, they broke off some, uh, you know, we feel that that's a calcium shortage. There's calcium in there this year to try to, to try to uh, fix that problem. You know, when you, you kind of shore up one area and you're making more beans, making more yield, well, then the plant can't support itself. So then you got to support the plant and it's a learning process. Uh, we have, we've changed a lot this year. You know, the, we're talking mid season. I mean, last year, Kevin showed a very late application of K gave him a big return and we're going to save some of our, our potassium acetate and put on very late in the year. And, you know, the, I'm, I'm quite excited about this year. You know, this year I've got a soybean after soybean field that uh, Tommy made a concoction for us and it's in the two by two, you know, we'll be spraying those beans. Calcium will be going on them. They look terrific. When Tommy's here tomorrow, we'll look at them, but we're learning and changing all the time because this is evolving. There's, we've only scratched the surface on what's possible. Got it. Uh, is that true, Tommy? We've only scratched the surface on what's possible. By the way, Kelly has said this repeatedly in different recordings that we aren't really very good at soybean production. And every year we grow a couple bushels more than we did the year prior. Um, what, what, what are we, how is it that we're not good at it? I don't think people's paid any attention to it. Again, it's, it was a crop to get to next year's corn. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's the way I see it. But I think people are finally realizing that, geez, we can make more money if you take care of a bean crop than you can a corn crop. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more challenging because, hey, a bean, bean plant's kind of like a cat. It has its own mind and it, it's going to do what it wants to do. You just got to kind of keep out in front of it. Talk about uh, what, what stuff we're putting out there. Um, you, you got uh, cool name stuff because you're a Texas A&M fan. Or Texas Tech. It's one of them, right? Texas, Texas it must be Texas, Texas Tech. <laughs> Texas Tech. Oh, it was Texas no, Tech. Actually, okay. actually, uh, see, I always I always get confused. I always get confused because and now I should remember. Because you name your products and you give them cool sporting names, oftentimes related to football. You've got finish line, you've got uh, triple option, you get all that stuff. And then since you are a Texas Tech Raider, you don't have a product yet named um no, not going to a bowl game or fumble, but I think that those are coming. Anyway, uh, what what is triple option? What is that? What is that product? So <laughs> you, you've stumped me here a second. So triple option, uh, <laughs> balanced nutrition, four, 13, 17, one sulfur. If, if you go back to the old 318-18 days. Oh, it, it was one of the first uh, low-salt orthophosphates made. It, along with uh, 918-9, those were two of the first that was ever made back in the 50s. So triple option is an offtake of 318-18, except it has sulfur and it has potassium acetate. Okay. Like Kelly mentioned. And, and we're using something like this over the top, and we can use it for soybeans. And, and then you've talked a lot about the sulfur and all that thing. What does it do for corn? It's still a balanced nutrition package. needs to go in the tank mix, especially early. Uh, you know, when you, when you deal with corn, you have a much greater nutrient demand early versus later. Soybeans just the opposite. You have a much greater nutrient demand later versus earlier. So it can... The, the good thing about triple option, 
it's balanced nutrition. Now it can't, it cannot go in the 2,4-D uh, tank, tank mix on soybeans early because it is not approved because of the ammonium component. But as far as any other chemistry, anything else, yeah, it mixes fine. Kelly Gear, experimental stuff. You're trying something new every year, every season. Oh. What are you doing with mid-season fertility on any of your crops this year that's new or different as a trial or as an experiment? The calcium, uh, the amount of calcium we're putting on is new. The amount of zinc we're putting on is new. Uh, moving the potassium acetate uh, later, which, you know, that, I don't know that that's mid-season, but moving it out of mid-season to later, like Tommy talks about, the soybeans have a, good, a, a big draw later. Those were, the timing is key. And one thing I think that is of note, some growers, when I hear them talk, they're saying, well, when you're only putting on a gallon of potassium acetate, you know, potassium acetate is an OO24. So Tommy, correct me if I'm wrong, but 10 gallons of potassium acetate is 24 pounds a keg, right? 2.56 times 10. So about 25, yep. Exactly, so, so 10 gallons of potassium acetate is 25 pounds a K. So only putting on a gallon, it's only two and a half pounds a K. I've heard some people say that's, you know, you're not really accomplishing anything, but you're putting that on the plant. It makes the plant healthy and hungry. It triggers the plant with photosynthesis and exudates going into the soil. And it brings more. It isn't just about what you're putting on the plant. It's what you're signaling the plant to do that is a huge gain as well. Probably a bigger gain than just the product you're putting on. And uh, it, it's a tremendous, uh, tremendous fertility program. It, you, you don't want to change your pre. You don't want to totally exit your preseason program. But adding a midseason program, not even increasing your budget but kind of splitting it up, I believe you'll see a bigger ROI at the end. I know we have. How many times are you going over this crop? Let's go back to soybeans. So we planted, we planted them and we did our thing there. And yep. then, and then is there something that happens in the first two to three weeks or is this really just is mid season really where all the stuff has to happen? So last year trying different things. Some of them we went over four and five times this okay. year. We're trying to consolidate that. And we, we didn't plan to continue to necessarily do that, but we were seeing. So, you know, this year, obviously you've planted them and you've got your pre-chemical out. So you planted them and now we've started our post-chemical application of some and we're doing a little bit of mid-season fertility. At R1, we'll come back with a, a PGR and our fungicide and there will be some fertility in there just depending on what the tissues show. And then we probably won't come back until very late, R4.5, even into R5 with this potassium acetate as Kevin did last year to see if we can make that gain. And, you know, just so you know, you know, Kevin's idea is there's only two times in a soybean's life when he really feels that he can manipulate yield. How many pods are you going to put on? How big are the soybeans going to be in the pod? And that late season potassium acetate application he feel that he really manipulated and, and really filled out the pods to a great degree. I saw the beans were there for Daniel's wedding. There is the biggest soybeans I've ever seen. I mean, from the size of a seed perspective. 
And, and that treatment was done, and we're talking about midseason. That's really I know, more. But you asked how many times I'm going to go across them? Yeah, three. Three. You're going over three times, and and they roughly are uh, four weeks into the after planning and eight weeks and 12 weeks, really, right? Yeah. That, that would be that would be fairly accurate. Yeah. So, all right. By the four, by the second treatment, are you even putting herbicide in there? Because the, the beans are already no. pretty well canopied, so it's only fertility. Yes, the final. Well, hopefully, the final herbicide pass is going on right now. It doesn't yeah. always work that way, but that's the idea. The next two passes will be fertility, fertility, fungicide, things like that, stress yeah. mitigation. Yeah. So that's the thing. So what we're talking about is that. Uh, your your second two passes are only fertility. That's it. Fertility, fungicide, stress mitigation. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay. And okay, uh, my favorite question for uh, compatibility. Tommy, you can take this one. Uh, we always like to make sure that the people that are listening to this say, oh, I'm going to start doing that. Is there any compatibility issues? You, you said there's one thing you can't do. You can't use triple option in a mix with 2,4-D. And then you said about doing but that I over can't. beans. But I thought 2,4-D killed broadleaves, so we're not using 2,4-D derivatives on soybeans anyway, are we? Well, you've got you've got all the, uh, whether it's enlist beans or extend beans now. Right. So you have different trait beans. Okay. And, so, and those would only be really uh, come into play, depending on what state you're in, the time, the time has already passed that you can actually use uh, 2,4-D or dicamba on, on traded crops. Right, because after a certain point, we get to where the volatility issue and it, it yeah. picks up and blows into the neighbor's woods and kills the trees that we're talking about? That's correct. All right. Uh, Mid-season fertility, uh, corn. Uh, we've talked a lot about soybeans. Let's move on. I think we've done enough justice for soybeans. Corn, what do I need to know? What am I not doing? What is, what is the guy down the road not doing they should be doing to get more bushels of corn mid-season? A lot of the same, a lot of the same practices. You know, you're uh, building a bigger, better stock, uh, setting that stage. You know, uh, signaling that plant to become. I, I like to call it healthy and hungry. All of that, all of the same stuff we just talked about in soybeans, really. Mm -hmm. What's 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 not being done in the countryside on midseason corn fertility practices, Tommy? Well, I run into a lot of people that would still equate uh, foliar nutrition to snake oil. Mm -hmm. And that's, that, that's kind of unfair. Yeah, there's people out there that if they misrepresent what something can do or is intended to do, then it all gets lumped into snake oil. But, you know, things like, things like um, finish line. That should, that should be, and we've always said, that should be in every tank mix, herbicide tank mix. It doesn't matter what crop. It needs to go in every herbicide tank. Because if you're, if you're using insecticide, fungicide, herbicide, plants got to be able to metabolize that chemistry. And plants going to shut down, you know, anywhere from two to three days trying to figure out what just hit me. Well... By you adding in herbicide, adding in nutrition into the tank mix, especially potassium acetate nutrition, and that's a whole nother topic, um, the plant is able to 
metabolize it quicker and get back to running sooner rather than later. And what potassium acetate is that? What is that? What finish line is mostly? Partly. Okay. It's, All right. So finish line eight four six. Some of that six is potassium acetate. Yeah. So what we're talking about here is that you say that we're we're going over a crop uh mid-season and we've got we're worried about weeds and we're doing other stuff but we're not putting enough nutrition in there and by not putting the nutrition in there the plant actually is not able to benefit off of other stuff that's in that tank correct okay what's what's a mid-season practice that you do now for corn that you did not do 10 years ago kelly uh, putting any nutrition in you know that, that was uh, 10 years ago, it was unheard of that you would do something like that. You put, in, you starter, you put in starter fertilizer, then you went out at a certain point and put nitrogen, side dress nitrogen. 10 years ago, we didn't even put starter fertilizer. <laughs> really? You know, we, we, yeah, 10 years ago, we didn't put in starter fertilizer. There was no two by two. There was no foliar. Mm -hmm. You're putting on your uh, dry blend and you're putting on your anhydrous and here we go. You know, and, and then I look at, you know, when I started farming, in 1998, if one field made 150, you were pretty excited. And now if my whole on-farm average isn't 230, I'm kind of disappointed. And it's advancements and practices like these that we have added that have driven that, you know, probably 100 bushel gain in, this is my 25th crop and we've gained, well, four bushel a year. Mm -hmm. right, right. 130, you know, 130, 25 years ago was probably an on-farm average. You know, if you're excited about one field at 150, and now you expect 230. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and, and obviously, uh, the, the the ground you're you're doing certain stuff to make the ground better, but really, you're talking about you're you're spoon feeding the the crop because instead of one big dose, you know, with some sort of a spring yes. treatment, it's all along. Uh, how many times you go over corn? We, you know, the the post corn application should get done tomorrow. And then uh, in our hills. So for a listener right now, we are recording this on June 20th, just so you know, when he says that the corn's going to go over tomorrow, this will be the second pass? Yes, this will be the second pass on corn. Okay. Uh, we, uh, and we, won't, we will wide drop some corn, but in our hills, there's too much iron blight. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, what, what happens in most of our corn will be the airplane will fly on the fungicide and the nutrition at VT. Okay. You know what iron blight is, Damien? Means that you drove over the you drove over the crop with a piece of machinery. There, thank you. I wanted to mention. I, I like it. I like it when people think that I don't know anything about agriculture. You know, the only thing I've gotten wrong so far on this episode is that I mistakenly called Tommy and Texas A&M alumni, and I mistakenly insulted him when I did that, even though I actually knew that he's a Texas Tech through and through kind of a guy. And uh, that's why I did that. That was kind of almost... Well, you live in Indiana where it's flat and the land of milk and honey, and I didn't know there's no iron blight there because there's no hills. That's all I was asking. <clears throat> got it. Tommy, um, other crops. You know, we got people listening to this that are obviously we, we grow 90 million acres of corn and 90 million acres of soybeans, whatever, but we got people and other, other stuff. You've got extreme ag people like Matt Miles that uses your stuff, and he's got rice, he's got cotton, he's got, uh, you know, wheat, other stuff. Where, where are we doing mid-season fertility on um, not corn and soybeans? What do we need to know about that? Well, you look at, at cotton in particular, and just like, just like corn is, uh, you can't feed, give enough potassium to a cotton plant. And once it starts, once you start squaring 
you ought to be putting say a gallon of potassium acetate every five to seven days for three or four times once you get into uh into flowering full bloom matt miles told me that cotton is a plant that looks uh, for a way to die every day of its uh, existence so is that true that that is true once you open the bag the time is the clock is ticking <laughs> and that's not good all right hey let's talk about dollars and cents i always like to bring it back to money kelly likes to make money i like to make money tommy you like to make money how much am I spending um, if I do everything right by you uh, with my mid-season fertility? And, and maybe I'm using nature's products. Maybe I'm using somebody else's products. The main thing is, no matter who's I'm using, how much am I spending on mid-season fertility treatment? So historically, we would always use $5 an acre as, as a target. Guy wasn't going to use it if it cost more than $5 an acre. Of course, with inflation, maybe that's you know, six, seven, eight dollars today. Right. But still, you can you can use a uh, you know finish line that way under you know well, about six bucks an acre. Is that what we're talking? And and then like a gallon of K fuel, which is O twenty four potassium acetate. It's like six, seven dollars. So if you look at the cost of liquid orthophosphates today or potassium acetate today compare that to what map kcl some of your other fertilizers have done in the last you know six months liquid has not gone up near as much as what dry uh commodity type fertilizers have so it's still very economical all right. So you used a, a comparison before, Kelly. You told me that the first time you did something and you said, I think it was five years ago, when you said you got nine bushel of yield. No, it was two years ago. It was 2020. Uh, you got a nine bushel uh, bonus at, and they were $9.50 beans back then. Obviously, they're worth a lot more than that today. And you said your cost of, of the practice was about $25. That was on a soybean crop. So this year on mid-season fertility, Talking about these products were here or, you know, any others, how much are you going to spend in the months of June and July um, or even early August on your soybean fertility mid-season? It will probably get up towards $40 with okay. everything. And that's the product. Is that also amortizing the equipment and time? No, that the would product. be fertility, plant growth regulators, stress mitigation, Fungicide. Uh, maybe not fungicide. Fungicide would probably add some more to that. Fertility, stress mitigation, and plant growth regulators will be $35, okay. And then throw another almost up to 10 for fungicide? Yeah, 10 or 13 probably. Okay. All right. So 40 bucks. Um, we got $15 soybeans. So uh, if you don't do all this, uh, you don't spend the 40 bucks. If you do it all and you get three more bushels, you, you, you pay for the plant growth regulator, the stress mitigation, and the mid-season fertility. Yeah, three bushel will pay for everything we're doing, and I expect more like fifteen or twenty, to be honest with you. Okay, so it's you know twenty bushels is fifteen bucks, three hundred dollars, and it costs you about thirty or so. You said maybe up to forty to do it. Corn money. It will be right in that neighborhood. Uh, it'll be the same money. Okay, roughly forty bucks the an same. acre. Yeah. You know, 40, you know, the fungicide on the corn, if we got a fly that you got a, yeah, I would say 40, you know, 40, when you add the fungicide in, you're talking 45, 
um, you know, that's going to be, you know, $7 corn, you're talking seven bushel. And I would expect it to return more like 25 or 30 bushel of corn. When it comes to mid-season fertility, you didn't even do it. Didn't even do it 10 years ago. You know, you, you went out and all you, you sprayed, you went across the, the crop with your sprayer, but it was just to put out spray herbicide, right? Or maybe fungicide. Yeah. Yes, it is. We did nothing like this 10 years ago. Uh, this has been one of the educational things, biggest educational thing that Extreme Ag has brought me, uh, you know, re, returning to Tommy's snake oil comment. There are some companies out there that will tell you to totally do away with your dry program or your preseason program and their their product will redo, re replace it all for 60% of the cost. Mm -hmm. And that's simply not true. And, and that's what gives companies like Tommy's a bad name. And, and you know, Nature's doesn't promote that. Nature's uh, talks about that their practices, their applications, their products are a great supplement. Yeah. And there's a great ROI that can be put on top of that. Uh, I would tell you, that the money I spend, I consider a success if there's a three to one return. Yep. And if there's not a three to one return, then we need to be, I, I think you're, the margin has to be that, otherwise it's not successful. Yeah, and what, you, what, and what we just said there, um, you know, you, you call it $40 a, per acre of treatment, and that's not even just the mid-season fertility, that's also plant growth regular stress mitigation. Right. That's, that's, only, that's all in money. Yeah. So, I mean, just on the fertility, it might be 25 bucks. And so you need to make $75. Well, you know, that's 10 more bushels of corn. And you say, it, there's no question. It, it, it's responsible for giving you that 10 bushels of corn. I, I feel that way. Yes. With, with the trials and the research we've done. Mm -hmm. uh, that's good. We're talking about mid-season fertility. Uh, if you want to learn more about this, where do we find more information about your products? Nature's, right? Nature's. Um, N-A-C-H-U-R-S.com. <laughs> yes, it is not N-A-T-U-R-E-S. -A -E it is, don't ask me how it came about for N-A-C-H-U-R-E-S. I think they had a person from Texas Tech English Department probably that did the spelling is all I could come up with. No, Nature's. that was A&M. Go to, to, to natures.com if you want to learn more about what we're doing here. You know, there's over a hundred of these podcasts that we've done. There's also videos that these guys are shooting. There's our trials. There are trial results. All that can be found at extremeag.farm. Uh, you please uh, go and look at all the stuff. It's free. And more importantly, share this with your farming friends. You know, Cutting the Curve was recently named one of the 10 best farming podcasts. So you're listening to something that obviously has value for you, and we strive to do that and make that happen. If you want us to cover a topic, go ahead and send us a line. You can find our contact information at the extremeag.farm website, and we will keep covering topics that are relevant to you and, more importantly, help you thrive in your business. Till next time, that's Kelly Garrett from Arian, Iowa. That's Tommy Roach from Nature's. I'm Damian Mason. Thank you for being here on Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out ExtremeAg.Farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions.